Our first scripture reading is from the prophet Jeremiah in the 33rd chapter, verses 14 to 16. Listen now for the word of the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Our psalm is from the 25th. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them, let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble the way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. From Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians in the third chapter, verses 9 through 13. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel because our God, because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And from the Gospel of Luke in the 21st chapter, Verses 25 to 36. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day does not catch up you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Passages like our gospel reading this morning are scary. They seem to be warning of impending doom. As Christians, we're called to read them not with foreboding, but with hope and faith. The inclusion of the passage from Thessalonians that we read offers an invitation to read the texts that accompany it with joy. Jesus does indeed tell us what the end times will look like. They will be evil times. But then again, most times have the kinds of things that he talks about. The United States has been at war for 224 years out of its 241-year existence. 93% of our national life has been spent in war. The things that Jesus describes happen constantly. There are very few periods of true peace in the world's history. Which is to say that it is always time for Christ's return. We should always be ready. Jesus describes the day of the Lord not to scare us in the present, but to point us toward the future, to orient us in hope. As we anticipate the future, we are to continue to be faithful, participating in discernment and prayer and the active work of the gospel. We maintain our readiness by continuing to do this work of discipleship. After two, two millennia of waiting, we've gone a little soft, a little complacent. We've decided that discipleship means little more than going to church and reading the Bible. But discipleship means truly learning from and emulating Christ, the righteous branch spoken of in Jeremiah. The branch from the stump of Jesse comes into the world in a time when the people have been failed by their leaders, when violence and poverty and hunger are the rule of law. But this one will rule with justice and righteousness. It means ruling according to a divine ordering of the world in which all are cared for without exception where all are safe and provided for, not from a sense of people having charity for those in their immediate vicinity, but when the leader 
organizes the entire nation so that each provides for all and all provides for each. Not charity, but justice. After all, throughout scripture, God has made it very clear that the way to procure blessing for the people and for the land is for those who govern to do so justly and with righteousness. If the land and its people are not so very blessed, perhaps we must look to those who govern. It's been suggested that when Jesus says this generation will not pass away, that he's not referring so much to an era, but to a kind of person, a kind of people. This generation referring to those who prefer violence and corruption, those who turn away from God and God's ways, those who deny what God has called them to. As Christians, we are still human beings, and we can't help that. And sometimes we share some of the less noble character traits with the rest of the world, with this generation. And we too find ourselves counted among this generation, promoting violence and scarcity, whether deliberately or accidentally. We allow fear and hate to rule our lives, even when Christ repeatedly tells us to fear not and to love others as ourselves. Discipleship is sometimes a little too hard, a little too costly. And we are seduced by those who promise power and ascendancy when it is not theirs to give. We are swayed sometimes by those who tell us that we are under threat when truly no threat exists. And yet our basic instincts kick in. We deny our neighbor's love because we think that will leave us with less, even in an abundant world. The promise that Christ will come again in judgment is the impetus for us to examine ourselves for signs of this generation in our behavior and our thought and our speech. And it's an invitation to repent again and again to turn away from the, world, the ways of the world and turn toward the ways of God, to emulate Christ our Lord and continue his work to the ends of the earth. In a world that is falling away from God, we here gather together to proclaim that there is yet a God and that God is faithful. We proclaim the hope that comes with worshiping a God who intends the redemption of us all, even to creation itself. We have hope that one day justice and righteousness truly will come naturally and will be the norm rather than the exception. I titled this sermon this morning, Hopeful Anticipation. It's a phrase that my mom uses when referring to a dog who is watching someone eat their dinner. 
My sister had a schnauzer a long time ago named Friday. Friday was not content with the same kind of hopeful anticipation that most dogs have. If Friday felt that you were not paying attention to him, he would say, hmm, and inch up a little bit closer. Active, hopeful anticipation. When we come into the season of Advent, it is indeed hopeful anticipation, but it is meant always to be an active, hopeful anticipation. We must orient ourselves in faith and be vigilant and work for the kingdom, continuing Jesus' ministry and mission, working for justice and peace and the rights of all human beings, exercising our own share of governance in ways that will carry out this divine vision of the kingdom of God, doing what is right for and on behalf of all. Paul tells us that as Christians, we are called to have love and compassion and respect to one another and to all. Too often we put a period where Paul put a comma. Though we sometimes argue that such instructions as we find in the Bible are only meant for us in our behavior toward other Christians, the Bible tells us something different because God's grace is far broader than our own notions of what grace ought to be. We are to abound in love for one another and for all. Whether we think that all deserve our love and respect whether we deem them worthy or not. Jesus never said, love one another unless. Jesus never said, love one another until. Love one another. God is indeed faithful, and the righteous branch will come again, and that promise spurs our work in the world. This Advent, we once again enter into God's time, a time of active, hopeful anticipation, pursuing God's kingdom, which was inaugurated with Jesus' birth and yet still coming on earth as it is in heaven. And we are here to prepare the way, to do the work of the kingdom now with hope for the future, for God's glory, now and forever. Amen.